This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered, beginning right now. It is the final installment of January, J.C. and Morgan. Welcome, everybody. Welcome all. Hopefully you're warmer than you were a couple of weeks ago when it was downright freezing in the southeast and beyond. He is J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports. I am Mike Morgan of ESPN and the SEC Network. And once again, we bring you wall-to-wall college football coverage and then some on this very podcast, number 228, if you're scoring at home and if so, we appreciate those that have been here all along, going back to the uh, two paper cups and a string days on Skype to the technologically sound version that we are today. We now have a producer and Phil Molinax, the mad dog, keeping us technically sound. We are now available on every single platform, including YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Spotify, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some others, but we're out there. We do record this live, usually every Monday morning, and that will be the case again today. But as always, if you miss us, you can catch us at any time. That's the beauty of modern technology. You listen to the shows you love on your time, not on ours. You can also check out the website, jcandmorgan.com, where every uh, installment of this fine podcast is uh, documented and uh, and ready to listen if you decide desire to do so. And a lot of people go back and listen to great guests that we've had in the past because most of those are pretty timeless, to be honest with you. And that'll be the case again today with Josh Pate, who will join us at uh, 10 o'clock. You know Josh does a, a great job. He's kind of a – I guess J.C., he, he's affiliated with 24-7 and CBS, but I almost look at him as like an independent savant, right? Like he's – kind of made it his own brand and uh I know you were you were a guy that alerted uh me of of Josh's talents years ago and 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 talking about getting him on before he kind of blew up on the scene and I know you were instrumental you being the kingmaker that you are at Sherb Nation 
Um, but we had him on a while back, and uh, he's always interesting to talk to. He, he covers, like us, he loves college football year-round, and he'll be one of, part of the prestigious uh, multi-performance guests on this uh, very uh, show. So we look forward to having him on at 10 o'clock. And in the meantime, we'll get to the JC5 and other stuff. And um, JC, I hope you're doing well. I see you're dressed accordingly to Chicago winter with a uh, full cap, heavy sweatshirt, and uh, you're you're bearded. You probably got a hot mug of something in front of you, and a Saint Bernard ready to save you if you uh, start suffering from hypothermia. Absolutely, yeah, that is a great reference there on the Saint Bernard. By the way. <laughs> it's like Saturday morning cartoons. Yes, um, yes. But no, uh, yeah, Josh is great. He, um, you know, you look around the country and you kind of see people that have become new voices in college football and Josh has to be up there. Um, and you're right. He, he is affiliated with us at 24 seven CBS and just resigned a contract and, and great. Cause I, I'd, I'd be sad if he went anywhere else, you know? Yeah. Um, and he does a great job. Uh, in but a lot of it is on him. You know, he, he they, they, the CBS 24 seven, they've given him the tools, but he's built the he's built the house, and and it's mm-hmm. a it's a Josh Pate house, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, so to speak. And he's always been that way. Very creative guy. Um, we kind of came up. We kind of he and I are kind of like you and I in the sense that we'll come up with terms. Like yeah, there, there could be a dictionary the three of us write about college football. Like you, have right? The college program. football glossary. I came up with caged animal syndrome. Mm-hmm. Gosh, what did he come up with the other day? Oh, Alabama fans were were trust fund fans, right? Right. Uh, because they never, they never, you know, the younger ones have never experienced it. Mike Schuler or anything like that. All they know is national championships, right? Trust right. fund fans. I like that. So uh, it'll be great to catch up with him as always, and I'm sure it'll be. Entertaining, energetic. Uh, we won't even have to do much. <laughs> so uh, I'm I know. Yeah, uh, you know, we, normally we we shoot an email and kind of go over the format of what we're going to discuss. Honestly, sometimes with a good guest, I don't want any specific idea in mind. I just want it to take us wherever it takes us, and that's kind of the way it'll be with uh, Josh again at ten o'clock. Did you um, did you catch the championship games yesterday? Championship Sunday, one of the best weekends on the calendar. I did, man. The NFL playoffs just have not disappointed for maybe the last four years since the Chiefs have been good. Uh, very few blowouts. Um, I think the pandemic Super Bowl is what a blowout, but uh, very few blowouts. A lot, a lot of really good games. And that was the case this year. You know, I thought uh, the Chiefs' defense was the difference against Baltimore. Um, and then I thought, you know, the 49ers just were kind of a team of destiny and heart, heart breaks for Dan Campbell for the lions. Mm. I know he's He's going to take some crap because he went for it instead of kicking the field goal. Sometimes maybe hindsight is crystal clear, but in the, in the arena in the heat of the moment, uh, coaches have to do the best they can. Uh, but really, I mean, you, you just kind of look at it. You're up 24 to seven and collapse and loss. And that's it, you know? So that's, um, you know, I'm just, I feel really bad for those fans just because they've been through, I mean, in the NFL, it doesn't really matter who you pull for, Mike. Chances are you're going to cycle up at some point. Now, the Jets and the Browns and the Lions before this year, we're kind of waiting on those guys to do so. But, I mean, how many years were the Bills terrible so they drafted Josh Allen and the here you go, they're contending. The Mm -hmm. Chiefs were not very good for a long, long time. Um, 
you know, team cycle up, team cycle down. That's the way the league is designed. But <laughs> when you have a have not like that that gets their opportunity to go to the Super Bowl, you know, and, and a lot of times these the quote unquote have nots do it. I mean, you know, the Carolina Panthers are the worst team in the league right now, and they've been to two Super Bowls through the years. Um, actually, th- actually, two in an NFC championship game. The Jaguars went to the playoff. I mean, you know, there's like examples. But when a team like that, get, with that, that kind of fan base gets that close, and then boom, nah, no no soup for you. It's it's gut-wrenching to me. Just to, Maybe I'm too empathetic, but I, I just uh, I hate it for those, those guys. Well, and, and like I have friends that are from Michigan, um, and a couple of them are still giddy over the Michigan Wolverines National Championship, so they got that. This was almost like too good to be true. <laughs> um, a Wolverines natty, and and you're going to give the Lions a Super Bowl appearance. You're gonna you're gonna put them into Bobby Lane territory. Uh, the last time they actually played for a, a championship of any kind, we didn't even have the Super Bowl back then. It was almost too good to be true, and uh, the meltdown. You, you know, look, you can go over a number of different things of, of what turned that game, but it was very entertaining. The other one I thought was massive as well. And um, much as I as I thought, the same Carnival Barkers that are gleeful whenever Josh Allen doesn't win a game despite not making any mistakes and throwing a 65-yard dart on the money against howling winds and a receiver drops it. Those are the same people making excuses for Lamar Jackson. Look, Lamar Jackson's a phenomenal talent. Um, but you can't you can't just turn the other cheek on his playoff performances. They're not good, and it was pretty it was pretty obvious. Like I heard somebody saying, I just wonder sometimes if people are watching the same game that I am. Uh, I heard somebody say this morning on a national show, well, clearly they should have ran Lamar more, bro. <laughs> they're they're blitzing every play, and they have a spy on Lamar. What the Chiefs are saying is, we we don't fear Lamar Jackson throwing the ball downfield at all. So, yeah, he's going to get a couple of elite runs because he's, he's one of the best running quarterbacks we've ever seen. He's an alien. But we don't fear him throwing the ball deep. And time and time again, he's missing on throws. And Tony Romo is very gingerly, politely saying, well, that throws off the mark, and that throws off the mark, and this one needs a little more touch, and that one needs to be here. Um, but that is, and, until that gets rectified, Baltimore is not going to the next level. And they had a loaded defense and a really good offense. Like, they were number one in everything because they've drafted really well. Their front office has been outstanding, whether it's Ozzie Newsome or anybody else. I mean, they they don't miss much in Baltimore. But I had them once this year. I had the Ravens-Browns game back when Deshaun Watson was healthy. Same thing. Baltimore led for three quarters. Lamar threw a pick six and another bad pick in the in the fourth quarter, and they lost the game. Um, so, I mean, I, I just when I watch that, I'm like, Man, oh man, if they can just get that fi- cuz everything else Baltimore has. Like Baltimore could be what we the way we talk about Kansas City. The difference is Lamar Jackson ain't Pat Mahomes. Not even close. Um Pat Mahomes is just different. I was thinking about this. So I have called a in college when they were in college a Purdy game, a Lamar game, and a Mahomes game. And with the exception of Lamar, who was like ridiculously good, Heisman Trophy good in college, I never saw Brock Purdy coming, and I, I didn't see Pat Mahomes coming. I'd love to tell you that I was smart enough 
when I'm call- and he was great in the game I called, but Texas Tech was always great. Texas Tech, anytime I called a Texas Tech game, it didn't matter who the quarterback was in that system, uh, they lit it up. So I saw Pat Mahomes, and yeah, he made some special throws. I was like, yeah, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be all right. Maybe he'll be a, I don't know, fourth-round pick and make a roster. But I, I never saw that coming. Um, I didn't either. I mean, who did, right? I mean, he did slip to 10. And, of course, to I, be able to work with Andy Reid uh, and, and for a while the Cheetah, and then Kelsey is just – I don't know how he does it, but he always gets open, and then he's just a problem. Like, he is Gronk 2.0. He really – a healthy Gronk, an agile Gronk. Maybe he turns out to be better than Gronk. I don't know, but, I mean – I don't. I just don't know how do you stop them. And Andy Reid's play calling is just—he's always ahead of the game. He's always got wrinkles. Like you, you think you—you're going to stop them vertically. He has all these little crossers and misdirection. He just—he's a nightmare to try to scheme. Just an absolute nightmare. And Mahomes never panics. It's the little things that Pat Mahomes does that's brilliant. Backing up, buying time, not taking sacks. Uh, not committing grounding penalties, just throwing it just far enough in the area of a receiver to to just be, okay, no problem. We'll reset second and ten, but no loss on the play. Um, now uh, they're they're a machine. That's going to be an interesting Super Bowl to watch. But th- I was thinking about this too, JC. Uh, Golf, Purdy, Lamar, and Mahomes. <laughs> you know how I watch games in the NFL because I love both, and I get a chance to broadcast both, and I and I. I can't help. My brain always goes, it resets back to where did he play in college? What did he do in college? So here's your Fab Four quarterbacks. Goff went to Cal. Purdy went to Iowa State. Lamar went to Louisville. And Mahomes went to Texas Tech. So it's Big 12, ACC, Big 12, and soon to be ACC, formerly the Pack when it comes to Goff, who's the one quarterback I've, I've never seen in person of the four. Um, so it just goes to show you sometimes you, you don't have to go in a day and age where you were talking about the difference between the NFL and college. And you're absolutely right. The NFL is built for change. College is built for the, the rich get richer and the middle class remains the middle class and can never get out of it. That's with few exceptions. That's the way college football has been built for as long as we've been following the sport. The NFL is the opposite. And the NFL draft is such an equalizer because you can pluck a seventh-rounder in Purdy. You can watch Mahomes get passed on by nine teams and go to Texas Tech and become one of the best of all time. Um, So I I just find that interesting. ACC, Big 12, ACC, Big 12. Those were the quarterbacks you were watching on Championship Sunday. That was weird. Uh, Quick note on golf, because I know we got to get the JC5 in recruiting. He was was an unknown kid out of Northern California and I can't remember the guy's name. I think it's Tom Davis. I'm not sure. Uh, scout for the Ravens that knew my buddy Tim, uh, who is one of the better talent guys that I've ever worked with. And I got a call from Tim one day, and he's like, this dude's good. <laughs> and I said, all right. You know, we looked at him, and we put him in – I think we put him in our top 247. I think he's – we had a string there where we were the only ones that ranked Mariota, Johnny Menzel, Jared Goff, had them higher than the industry average. Of course, we screwed up and didn't make Jameis Winston a five-star <laughs> that year. But, uh, hey, you win some, you lose some, right? But um, Trubisky was in our top 247. Uh, we had a run there, and and golf was part of that. And he had, I think, one offer 
from Cal, uh, which by the way, Aaron Rodgers also went to Cal. One offer from Cal. <laughs> yeah, at a Chico Junior College. Yeah, man. So uh, anyway, always been a fan of Jared Goff. Glad to see. And how about that trade? I mean, it worked out great for the Rams and the Lions. Yeah. How many times do we ever see that? You know, where rarely it's, it's worked out fine for both. So. Uh, hate that they lost, but uh, they had a hell of a season, and just hate it for that organization. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens moving forward. All right. So you want to try and squeeze in the five now, or you want to wait Let's till it post-paid? All right. We'll squeeze it in fast. now because I got a number of things I want to get to later as well, including um, with with Josh on replacing uh, a coaching legend like Michigan's got to do. All right. Time for the JC five. It's time for the top topics in the sport. We bring the JC five. Number one, Mike, in the how does it happen category, how in the world does Arizona, uh, they fired their AD the other day, they're $240 million in the hole. I understand COVID happened. I don't really see this happening across the country, though. How, how does this take place in modern college athletics? How, how do they get to this point? Well, you hit on the, the, the biggest obstacle, which was COVID, and remember the pack decided to play an abbreviated season. How many games did they play? Six? It's like a, like a half a year? Yeah, they were less than the Big Ten. They were three or four or five. Four or five. Okay, so so that's not even half the TV money. And the TV money, is, as we know, was dwarfed in comparison to leagues like the SEC and the Big Ten. So that's number one. Arizona's just been a problem for a while. There's some schools that, for whatever reason, have problems economically, and you're like, well, how is that so? How could that be? You and I talked about it a week ago, the the Desert Storm SI cover. Uh, rest in peace, Sports Illustrated, by the way. Um, what happened since then to Arizona football? We went over the list of coaches they've had, and you just wonder, like, why is Arizona not better? You could say the same thing about Arizona State, but Arizona State has certainly had more success. I don't know. I, it's, a, it's a great question how they are in this much of a mess and I don't know if all of a sudden moving to the Big 12, they'll get some more TV money, but does that solve all their problems? It's, it's a great question. Number I like, two. I like, yeah, I like their president out there, but man, oh man, going into a new league like the Big 12, it's just kind of weird. All right, Mike, 12-team playoff next year. We're, we're going to count down for that. But I, I think one thing that's never happened in college football, I was thinking about it, I was like, when has this ever happened? Because whenever there's been a, a game of note that's been played north, it's been inside. All your bowl championship, BCS, all that stuff, always in warm weather. We have not really had a championship situation in cold weather. But lo and behold, next year there will definitely be some trips to some Big Ten campuses in December for some southern teams. Am I maybe overstating this a little bit, or do you think that's something that'll matter? Because the folks up here, they talk about it all the time, like it's like it's mm-hmm. the great equalizer. I, right. I don't know. I, I know the NFL in winter is very fun. NFL playoffs in the winter, fun. You know, right. but uh, we've never seen college do that. I can't remember anything like that. No, you and I aren't old enough to remember some of the old cotton bowls that were very significant, and it gets freezing cold uh, in in parts of Texas that time of year. But in our lifetime, no, we haven't really seen weather play a major factor. It's a great point. Um, Look, all you have to do is watch the NFL playoffs every year, and you see some of the lower scores, the challenges to complete passes, 
Um, you know, thankfully, Buffalo, I don't think, will be in the 12-team playoff anytime soon because I don't like watching teams have to struggle to throw the football in Buffalo winter weather. Uh, but certainly some of the other spots, yeah, it could be a factor. Look, South, I'm, I'm all here for it. South Bend, South Bend, Columbus, Ann Arbor. It, yeah, yeah, no. I, yeah, I mean, they get cold. They get, they get cold. The, but most, most teams and quarterbacks in particular will tell you it's not the cold, it's the wind. Like, if you can just avoid the wind. Because uh, players will dread. I mean, every time I go to a, a game now in December, there's always that that meathead. Uh, and I say that uh, not disparagingly. I don't want to get uh, beat up on the sideline by some guy who does this. But it's always some player that it's like six degrees and he's got no shirt on. And he's just walking out on the field bare-chested like, hey, I, don't, I, and I, I ain't feeling it, man. Not an issue. It's it's an issue when the wind is howling, and I don't like to see a game affected that way. But, yeah, no, I'm all for it. Give, give me some elements. Give me some cold. Give me a change in, in overall atmosphere. Uh, I think it's another plus of a 12-team playoff where I think if you're, if you're critical of this thing now, you're just looking for a reason to be critical. Like, I can't imagine anybody is going to look at this when it happens next year and go, Geez, I wish we'd go back to the four team, or God forbid, you know, I just I miss that BCS because it always guaranteed one versus two according to the Massey poll. No, 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 no. This is going to be so much better than what we've had. Number three. All right, so I got all these ideas about how to fix bowls, NIL, just the red shirt rules, and I was thinking I was just going to pose you one simple question here, Mike. Do the bowls need saving? Because you've always been pretty firm. Their TV entertainment products mm-hmm. that are successful, even right. though we don't, I think fans, analysts, people like that, you know, the media kind of have this perception they're not, but they are. So do they even need saving? Here, Here's the, it, there's, there's a sweet spot for problems. Okay. The lower tier bowls, the Myrtle beach bowl, the New Mexico bowl, uh, the armed forces bowl, the military bowl, the Cracker Jack Bowl, the Cheez-It Bowl, the Cookie Bowl, the Chips Ahoy Bowl, they're okay because they don't have a bunch of players that are hot prospects in the portal or worried about their NFL draft status. They are truly happy to be there, and they are all in. I know because I've done some of these games, and it's it's the thing that's most refreshing about it. It's like doing a champ week game in college basketball, two mid-majors with the big dance on the line. Then you have the 12-team playoff teams, and obviously they're all in because they got a chance to win a national championship. The sweet spot, or the unsweet spot, as it were, is those other bowl games, the you know the Outback Bowl, the Citrus Bowl, where you've got quality uh, brand-name teams, very many of which did not reach the goals that they had in mind, very many of which have players that are already wandering eyes for the portal and for the NFL draft, and there's going to be major, major opt-outs. If you don't do something to fix that, those bowl games are going to suffer. Agreed. Number five. All right, number five. Uh, A little ACC uh, storyline, Mike, for next year. DJ Ungolag. I think that's. I think I've mastered that. Uh, after a year away from Clemson at Oregon State, had a really good year. Probably going to be QB one at FSU next season. Your thoughts wow. on how he fits in with the Seminoles? Hey, look, they they they've got talent all over the place, and they're going to lose a lot. Um, 
in the draft from that team a year ago, particularly at the wide receiver spot. But uh, everybody loves a good redemption story. He was not ready at Clemson, did not perform well, five-star this, had to follow up the likes of Trevor Lawrence, and and it didn't work. Well, then he kind of rebuilt his game and his brand out west, and now he's going to try to do it for the Seminoles. Uh, I think it's a great fit. I think it'd be a great story of redemption, and Florida State certainly has it going right now. I'll throw in another one of those terms from the J.C. and Morgan glossary. They are a volcano program. It was a matter of time before they were going to erupt again. It took the right coach in the right situation and some patience, I might add. They have erupted, and, and I think they're, they're here to stay in terms of a consistent winner, and D.J. will fit right in along with that. All right, that wraps us. That was a fast that JC5. That is a ra- that is a fast paced JC five. That was no huddle, tempo. Uh, just just march down the field, found pay dirt. That's the way you do it, folks. Loyola Marymount basketball in the <laughs> R.I.P. Hank Gathers. By the way. R.I.P. God. Hank Gathers. I will be your Bo Kimball. Bo Kimball. There we go. You shoot your free throws left-handed, man. That's right. That's right. All right. We will shoot free throws right-handed with our man Josh Pate. Uh, Josh Pate, who, uh, again, does terrific work for 24-7 Sports. Pate State, along with all the other uh, nifty sayings and expressions that he has concocted over his time. Josh Pate. Uh, Josh Pate joins us next here on J.C. and Morgan. Listen up. This is for construction professionals, contractors, facility managers, or do-it-yourself homeowners. SitePro Rentals is ready to equip your upcoming project. We rent construction equipment for any size job. Boom and scissor lifts, telehandlers, skid steers, excavators, air compressors, generators, even small tools and equipment. SitePro has you covered. If you are ready for better equipment rental, call SitePro and rent from the local, friendly, Easy to do business with equipment professionals. Call 972 Rent Now. That's 972 736 8669 to rent the newest equipment in the Atlanta market. Call 972 Rent Now or visit SiteProRentals.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Hey, folks, want to tell you about our friends at Titan Construction Group really quick. They're a mid-Atlantic-based general contractor, specializes in retail, restaurant, and office construction. TCG strives to separate itself from other general contractors by adding value every step of the process. 
from project budgeting to estimation, value engineering to construction. They focus on those relationships and not the transaction. Titan builds partnerships one project at a time. Among their clients are Starbucks, Crumble Cookie, uh, Blake Pizza, Home Goods, 15 plus years experience based in Midlothian, Virginia, and contracted in Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. So get on their website, Titan cginc.com that's titancginc.com get in touch with brad if you're in need of a general contractor that focuses on going above and beyond for their clients that's titan construction group a proud sponsor of the jc and morgan podcast south carolinians this message is for you as well as for people in georgia florida and tennessee If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998, or you can go to EliteRoofing.com. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Welcome back. It is JC and Morgan here on the final episode in the month of January of 2024. Championship Sunday has come and gone. We're still talking college football all year long, and we're talking it with the purveyor of late Josh Kick, the Late Kick podcast, storming the nation, I believe, three times a week. Uh, Josh, you correct me if I'm wrong, but again, Josh also a prestigious member now. He joins the Tim Brandos, the Tom Luganbills of the world multi-appearances on J.C. and Morgan. This is a, Josh, this is going to change your life. Very few get past the door multiple times, but we welcome you in. It's been too long, and we uh, are more than happy to have you back on the program. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I just worry the attention that comes along with being a a multi-time guest on the J.C. and Morgan pod. That's enough to corrupt a lesser man. I hope I rise above that. We'll see how things go. Yeah, we don't want to see like a behind the music situation back, you know, back on VH1 where now all of a sudden you turn to a life of debauchery because the fame is just too much for you to handle by being on JC and Morgan twice. So please don't go down that road. It's like an after school special. Stay, stay clean living if you can. You know, those behind the music episodes, it was so funny how all it was like jazz. All you really needed was the beginning and the ending because the middle was the same. The middle is interchangeable. It doesn't matter if it's Def Leppard one week, Motley Crue the next week, Fleetwood Mac's all the same. That's right. They they all have the same trajectory. It's the same thing. It's the same. Yeah, you just could literally have a template and insert the the different – did Creed did Creed go down the bad path? I mean, I like to think Creed was above all that. Um, I think Creed's story is still being written. That's, <laughs> still that's being written. Yeah. The temptation hasn't gotten to Creed <laughs> just yet, but it's knocking I don't know, on man. the door. I, I saw the lead singer Scott, what's his name? 
like, okay, so I had to go to this Jackal concert one time in Greenville. Uh, I had backstage passes, got to meet Jackal. Not a big Jackal fan. But I'm sitting there in the pregame, you know, or the the, the pre the, the opening act, and all of a sudden I'm like, that dude, that kind of sounds like Creed. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's higher. Like, well, they do a fantastic cover of Hire. Well, then they play My Own Prison. And then they keep going on and on and on. And come to find out, it's like that guy's band. Uh-huh. So I got so in front of 40 people in a mosh pit in an empty amphitheater in Greenville, South Carolina, I saw the lead singer for Creed and his new band perform all their entire collection uh, out there. And then Jackal played one song and we left. I didn't even know Jackal was a band. I, I am, yeah, I am they, behind the times here. people like them. I don't, okay. I don't know how to describe okay. them. Red, redneck metal, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> nice. Um, Joss, I, I, I know you and JC go back further than than, than most. Um, I, I know for, for years JC was, was talking about and, and singing your praises. There's this guy in Columbus, Georgia, which, again, shout out to Columbus. That was my big break coming out of college, getting to host a show and, and do play-by-play on high school football. So, the, the mighty burgeoning metropolis that is Columbus is a special place to me as well. Reese Davis got his start there. Mm-hmm. Another another guy from good old Columbus, GA. Um, and, and we all like just stories of guys who, who bust it and, and work in this business and create their own success. You know, that they're not born on third base. I love your – on your Twitter, uh, you know, right there on the push pin is uh, you basically had $0 to your name as recently as 2019 – and here you are now, and obviously have burst on the scene. For for those that don't know your story, they just see clips of you and, and get your takes on college football. Give us a little background on how you've taken this path to where you are. Yeah, uh, it's it's fun to tell this story with Sherbert there because Sherbert actually you talk about behind the scenes backstage pass. Oh, he had a backstage pass to it. <laughs> um, so that that story, I leave that thing pinned there. Uh, for a very specific reason. Number one, it's sort of a mini testimony of mine. But number two, I know a lot of folks out there probably uh, by the millions in a similar position as I was. I was, so I'm out of high school, uh, coming out of high school and went to college, had no clue what I wanted to do, just kind of floated um, and ended up dropping out uh, because I knew I was wasting money. I, I was not taking school particularly seriously and just had like, no, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't have answered the question, who are you? What do you want to be? I couldn't have answered mm-hmm. that. So I went and worked construction for a little while, worked a lot of manual labor jobs, but ended up in a fabric warehouse down in Columbus on 12th Street. And um, I, I would listen to sports talk radio every day. I knew I loved it. I thought somewhere deep down in me, I probably had a little bit of God-given potential to do it, but I had no clue how to get in the business, had no family in there, had no connections, anything. So I would listen to uh, Sports Talk Radio there in Columbus every day, and I would just badger the program director via Facebook message at the time. Can I just come watch? Because I had never been in a working studio. I'd never been around live production before. Had no illusions of him putting me on air. I just wanted to come observe. So uh, he let me in there. And his co-host one day, probably about five or ten minutes before airtime, a couple of months in, calls in sick, and he has no other choice. I just get thrown on the air. And never, never got taken off air, actually. I was on air for the next two and a half years doing that. And then a general manager from a local TV station down there calls out of the blue. He says, he actually left a voicemail because I sent it to voicemail. He said, I've never met you. You never met me. You don't know me. But I listen to you every afternoon on my drive home. And what you do really kind of mirrors a concept that we want to try where we want to do a local late night 
college football talk show on air here on our CW affiliate. Would you like to do it? And I'd never been on TV. So, of course, I said, yeah. And I go do that and uh, end up being their, their sports anchor and sports director in time as well. End up elevating to news anchor in time. But I'm all the all the while doing a local college football show. But the thing about it was it was Auburn, Alabama and Georgia because that was the overlap of the DMA. That's in Columbus. That's the three most prominent fan bases. And I really fancied myself as someone who wanted to do regional or national scope content. So I tried it on my own and it got shot down very quickly because they said, you can't be producing independent content while you're on contract with us to produce college football content, which was, it it sucked at the time because I didn't get the business side of it, but it was fair. And so I let about another year go. That was the end of my contract. They wanted to renew me under the same conditions. I turned that down because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. Uh, I was appreciative, but I knew what I wanted to do. And this was around 2014, 15, 16, when the streaming platforms started to add live components. What you're doing right now, um, the the YouTube lives, the Facebook lives, that was a Berlin Wall moment uh, because overhead and distribution were no longer the keys in the business. Everyone had overhead and distribution at their fingertips at that point. And so I realized uh, pretty early on that that's that's a person like me. That's my shot. And uh, they wouldn't let me do it, which was when they're within their right. So I didn't renew my contract there. And come the last day of that contract, general manager and news director sit me down and they say, what are you going to do? We're, we've essentially been calling your bluff. We didn't think you were going to leave. What are you going to do? And I told them very honestly, I'm going to start my own YouTube channel. And their, their exact words were, you can't monetize that, though. Like, how are you going to make any money? Because this was at outset of monetization in the YouTube game. And um, I didn't have an answer for them. I just knew that that was the shot I wanted to take. So I came to an agreement with them to work as an independent contractor to continue doing their local news for fractions on the dollar of what I had been making. But the trade-off that I agreed with them upon is they would give me studio time three nights a week to produce my own content out of a working television studio, got all the bells and whistles, uh, production control rooms turned over to me. And at that point, we started doing independently what ended up being late kick. Sherbert would come on the show frequently. A number of guys who still work at either 24-7 or over at On3 now, they used to come on the show. Um, Sherbert, probably our most reoccurring segment that we would do because we did him once a week. And we we scaled that audience from where we'd have five people watching to 20 people watching to 50 people watching. And then in 2019, uh, Shannon Terry, who now owns on three, but at the time uh, was the founder and owner of 24 seven, called me and said, you've never met me, uh, but I want you to come do what you're doing for us. And I came and have been with CBS and 24 seven ever since. What was the moment? Because you mentioned like it's five people, it's 20 people, it's 100. Um, but what was the moment that you felt like, OK, now I've arrived now. Now this thing has spread to where we're on the map and it's not just a niche. I mean, college football in itself is a niche, but there's only so much space to carve out and there's a lot of traffic there. And you've been able to to find a really good spot, a landing spot where uh, people feel comfortable listening to Josh Pate and, and getting your thoughts on the landscape of college football. When, when was that? What was that? Um, the, the first answer would be the typical answer of, I don't really think we have arrived, 
And I, I believe that philosophically, but there was a moment in 2019 and that's when LSU started to make the run, Joe Burrow, Edwards run. I remember um, the show was doing pretty good numbers, even though we didn't have a national platform, just had the YouTube channel. But we were doing pretty good numbers. But I remember going on the road to a couple of games that year, as, as many as I could afford to go to. Um, and I remember that I would get recognized at road stadiums outside of just the immediate Auburn, Alabama, Georgia area. And that took me by surprise. Because I didn't, I did not think of our show in that in that scope. I still thought of it as a, a local, kind of hyper localized Jordan Hare Stadium, um, Sanford Stadium, Bryant Denny Stadium. Maybe some people recognize me, but you start going to Ole Miss, you start going to Gainesville, you start going to LSU, and uh, you get recognized. I guess that was a little bit of it. But I felt like in the summer of 2019, when we kind of jumped on LSU early, and then they started to make that run. A, a lot of the LSU fan base latched on to that is there's this guy up in Columbus who believed in us long before the national folks did. And I don't know, we kind of rode that wave a little bit, Mike, to where mm. as LSU rose to prominence that year, I noticed our traffic. I noticed our numbers start to really scale a little bit. And from then, I guess in retrospect, from then that was kicking the snowball down the hill. But at that point, I just knew we're getting some good numbers. We're getting some good traction. I, I never, never really understood the uh, the scope and trajectory of scaling numbers at that point. Yeah. Well, you also have a unique, uh, like, as someone who's spent a lot of time in television. You know, we we're so concerned about we we've got to dress right and we've got to do the you know there's makeup involved and uh, the visual is such a big part of the medium. You go on there and you're rocking. A schmedium white T-shirt every day. You know, you're obviously you spend a good amount of time in the weight room. Uh, you, you've got you got the bald head. Bald is beautiful, and it's like okay, I, I Josh is the same look every time. Like it's it's a brand name. I know what I'm getting with that brand, and you kind of stand out in in that visual universe, which I think is part of the appeal. Am I am I wrong on that? Yeah, I do that on purpose. Um... Not to stick it to someone, but but to prove a point, because back when I was in local news, obviously you're working on someone else's time there. So you dress however they tell you to dress and right. you want to be professional. There's a way they want that presented. And I'm, I'm fine with that, even if I don't like dressing that way. But I remember and I still hold this opinion thinking it is the dumbest thing in the world to have to dress up in a suit to talk about sports. I've <laughs> right. always thought that. Now, if I'm working for someone else or if I'm on someone else's time, suck it up. You do what you got to do. Mm -hmm. But I remember having a conversation, some some heated, respectful, but heated conversations with some superiors of mine about that back in the day, about how people aren't tuning. You're not fooling anyone. Like, why are we trying to take this so seriously? We, I wouldn't go and eat barbecue with my buddies at one o'clock in the afternoon and talk college football. Why am I wearing one? when the only difference is there's a camera between me and them. And so I told myself, you can't do it right now because you're not calling the shots. But if you ever get down the road where you can call shots, prove your point. And so I go above and beyond. Not only am I going to dress down, I'm going to wear the exact same white T-shirt every single time we're on air <laughs> to prove that, look, we're going to do numbers anyway. It turns out it didn't really matter. All the bells and whistles didn't matter. It's the content that people are attracted to, not how much your wardrobe costs. Right. What is the brand name of that T-shirt? Amazon Essentials. 
That's fantastic. That's for what? What, what does that go for? Fourteen ninety nine. What are we looking I, oh, at? Oh, Mike, you can buy them in bulk for fourteen ninety nine. <laughs> You're overspending if you spend fourteen ninety nine on an Amazon T-shirt. I'm, okay. I'm taking advantage of Amazon essentially. Yeah, it's, that's, it's very, that's uh, good stuff. Um, all right, are, are you ready to dive into some football? Because I, I thought you you um, your one of your tweets out there I saw pretty much defines what what is going to be the conversation. And, and as we talk about on this show. We're so fortunate in this era. College football has become the NFL in that it's a 12-month-a-year sport. I mean, it really is. So we never have things to struggle uh, with with content no matter what time of the year it is. And you, you put out a simple tweet, which is, okay, what, what is going to be the biggest story of 2024? And honestly, I don't know where to start. I mean, I think the biggest story here lately has been all the money that Ohio State has been spending and what they've been accumulating. And then, of course, we finally know Jim Harbaugh has landed the NFL job that I think most of us thought he would. And that now, you know, you're looking at Sharon Moore falling. Uh, I mean, I could you could almost say Harbaugh for Michigan standards was a legend and that he finally won a national title there, beat Michigan consecutive times. That was that was that's legendary status. Um, so. Some of the biggest story that the SEC expansion, the new TV. Where would you start with your very own question on the things you're looking at the most in 2024? I think the the realization of reality is the way I tried to phrase it for acronyms purposes. But everyone knows we've had realignment, but you haven't seen it. Everyone knows mm-hmm. Texas and OU joins the SEC. Everyone knows the four teams from the West Coast join the Big Ten this year. But you haven't watched it yet. And I think there is a realization coming for people who still want to hold on to that power five or power four kind of idealistic view of college football. They're eventually going to have to face the reality that, wow, like by week seven of this year, it's going to be so crystal clear to everyone. There is a gulf. There's not a ditch. There's not a gap. There's a gulf between the quality and depth of these two conferences and everyone else. So that then gets parlayed into the next thing that I think is going to be a harsh realization. And that is for a lot of folks who wanted college football playoff expansion, realizing what expansion actually means. And I'm not talking about the should we go to four or eight or 12. I mean, given the 12 team field, the format, the devil in the details, I think is where a lot of folks who supported expansion are going to be caught really off guard when they all of a sudden realize if they don't change the auto bid format, you've got a six and six format here. You've got by your own admission by this point, two power conferences out there in the SEC and big 10. Mike, that means we got four more auto bids to give away before we ever even talk about the next best team in the big 10 or the SEC. And even even in the former landscape of college football, I thought auto bids were ridiculous. But in the future landscape of college football, you're talking about a minimum, given the current format, of two uh, G5 teams making the playoff in a world where the term G5 is infinitely more watered down than it was in the old format. And And here's the real kicker, if that doesn't already get you, they don't have to be ranked in the top 12. It's just the highest ranked conference champs. So you, you could have a world where LSU goes 10 and two, nine and three in, in their three losses or the top 10 teams. And then you've got um, UTSA ranked 18th. But because they're one of the six highest rated conference champs, they're going to the playoff. Uh, and, and you got Vegas telling you LSU would be a 24 and a half point favorite against them. But that doesn't matter. And so 
I'm very curious about a lot of the folks who were proponents of expansion. Once you see what expansion actually consists of, how do we feel about it? How quickly is it rectified? Do people look at that and think it's a problem or, or do they just worship inclusion for the sake of inclusion, competition, strength of schedule be damned? Like, how is that going to be interpreted? To me, that's very unknown. It's a great question. I'll just offer one theory on that. And I always try to remind people because you still have people convinced the NCAA runs college football. The NCAA does not run college football. It runs college basketball. The NCAA is about inclusion. College football is about what's best for me, my conference. Uh, Those folks that run it and Petiti and Sankey, are going to truly be almost like the co-commissioners of the sport, in my opinion. Uh, they are going to determine some of these new rules and regulations on the playoff format. So to your point, I'd be shocked if that stays in place very long, the top six conference champ. I just don't see it. Uh, there's not an appetite for it. And furthermore, there's not a, a vehicle like the NCAA powerful enough to push for it. Instead, the people that run it, the people that run these mega conferences are going to say, no, 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 no. We're not going to lose a fifth or sixth SEC Big Ten team to to your uh, example, Texas San Antonio. We ain't doing that. Right. I just I, I I think that's going to be the first thing that gets changed. Yeah. The other the other question there, dovetailing off that is, I don't think most people realize the playoffs fate beyond the next two years is totally undecided. Now there was a Pete Thamel report in the last few weeks that maybe you're approaching a deal where ESPN acquires the exclusive rights to the playoff, but, but that's still, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the actual structure. Is it going to be 12 teams? Are you going to have the six and six? Is it going to be five and seven? Like what's the format going to be? And I'm like you, I don't see any world. In fact, I'd go a step beyond that. They have the power to go total rogue ball and say, we're not going to sign off on a format with any auto bids. And they can take that stance because they know they themselves don't need the auto bid. They'll get multiple teams Mm -hmm. in anyway. The less auto bids, the better it is for the SEC and the Big Ten. And at that point, what do the other conferences do? If they they really want to put all their cards on the table, do the other conferences say, well, you, you guys got all the sway in the room. We'll sign off on it. Or do they say, no, no, we're not going to agree to this destruction. And as a result, you got a stalemate at the playoff table. And at that point, then do the SEC and Big Ten say, all right, you want to do that? Our counter is we take our ball and we go play in our own world that we create for ourselves. So I just I think there's a haze like when you know you're about to drive into fog that to me, that's what the future of college football and college athletics look like here on multiple fronts. I just happen to think that particular front is going to be the biggest domino that knocks down every other domino that falls. What was your reaction when Saban announced his retirement? I was just outside of Publix, downtown Nashville. I was very surprised. I rushed to, well, I rushed home to drop stuff off because I had perishables in the car. And then I (laughs) headed over to the studio. I thought to myself, not so much the Saban portion of it, I thought about uh, the gigantic ripple effect that is tantamount to like an asteroid landing in an ocean as it impacted college football. And um, that's still being felt. And I also, in the immediate aftermath, I thought to myself, have we seen the last of anyone doing what he did? I think the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, 
you know, I ended up talking about it on the show that night, what it was like for me to grow up down in the South. And I was all Paul Bryant had already passed away before I was born, but I would hear stories about him. And I would, I looked at him almost sort of like a Greek mythological figure. He seemed like, you know, less than a God, but more than a man to me because of the way he was deified and the way that uh, the, the aura around his name and presence was presented. And I always remember growing up thinking, I hate I missed that. I hate I didn't get to experience that. Nothing like that will ever happen again. And then you realize it happened again. And you had a front row seat for it as a fan. And if you were able to be behind the curtain, like we are, you actually got to spend time with the guy. You got to soak in knowledge. You got to just observe it from the closest vantage point one can observe it from. And so my thought, and this is how my mind works, my first thought was, oh, man, like 30, 40 years from now, they'll talk about this day. But unlike the Paul Bear Bryant situation, I'll actually be able to be the guy telling the little kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. You want to you want to hear about it? I was there. So that's where my mind went. You, 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 we have a glossary on this show. You have kind of one of your own uh, terms that, that you invent, if you will, out of thin air and, and, and very catchy. Uh, you have one for Bama fans, the modern day younger Bama fan, the trust fund fans, kind of mm-hmm. the fans that grew up on third base, just watching their team compete for a national championship seemingly every single year. Um, that being said, like the, the Kalen DeBoer hire, it makes all the sense in the world. And I, he got my vote for Home Depot Coach of the Year back before Nick Saban was even a thought to retire. I think it's a great hire, but I also, I also acknowledge it could fail. It could absolutely fail. And to, no one is going to be able to follow up what Nick Saban did. So I'm just curious, you know, I'm sure you get a lot of trash talk from Auburn fans. Oh, this is Brian Harson 2.0, which is ridiculous. Uh, but just your overall impressions of the hire and, and give me a little forecast that you see for Alabama football in this new regime. Yeah, so twofold. Um, I couldn't think any, any more highly of, of Kalen DeBoer than I do. I think he'll be a success there. And the big question, Mike, that people have from what I can tell is can he recruit Um, And I get why that's a question. Number one, you're coming into a geographical territory you've never coached in. And number two, there's not a track record. Like if Dan Lanning took the job, he has track record of recruiting at a high level at Oregon. So people would think it's a copy paste. Just do what you're doing. Do it at Alabama. Mm -hmm. Um, The funny thing is the guy who's gone three and oh against Lanning is doubted because he can't recruit. And the ultimate job of recruiting is to get players to beat the other team. But I do get what they're saying. All right, so here's my follow-up. When people say he won't be able to recruit, I ask him, what do you think it takes to recruit in the South? And they will inevitably say, oh, you got to know people, man. You got to know people. And I, I agree with that on the surface, but the spirit of that, I disagree with that. I think they're putting the emphasis on the wrong word. They, they say you got to know people. And I think you got to know people. I think you got to be relatable. I think you got to be a grinder. But I also think when you walk in a room, there has to be this magnetic quality that draws people to you. He's got that. All right. DeBoer's got that. You'll never doubt that. So the only other question is, do you possess the relentless desire to work? That's what costs a lot of guys when they come down here is they realize Yeah, it was hard work at the other place, but there's no grind like the SEC schedule. And I'm talking about off the field. I don't think DeBoer's turned off from that. Like he is that when you raise the hood on him, he is that. So if you're a grinder 
if you are relentless and you are good with people in time, you're going to be a good recruiter in the South. The other trade-off with him is I don't know how many times we watched him beat a team in his career with the second best roster on the field. So I don't probably need a top three class from him every cycle. I need him to be a solid top top eight to 10 recruiter and then take your chances on Saturdays because I think we may come to find that he may have the best head coach OCDC combo in the SEC. And if they've got enough talent there, the drop off will always be a drop off from Nick Saban because no one's duplicating that ever uh, in this sport. But I think they'll be very competitive and the, the expectation of Bama crashing to earth, I don't think it's such a founded expectation as it is a wish from a lot of people. So you're right, though. There is a chance that it fails. I just don't think it's going to fail because Kalen DeBoer got overwhelmed and, and couldn't process how to win in the SEC. Arguably, the two, two programs with the most resources that had open jobs this year were A&M and Bama. It's interesting because you mentioned recruiting, and, and that is a big part of it. But they both hired guys like Elko. If you're just talking pure football coach, they can go anywhere in the country and win. Uh, it seemed to me like that was more of a, a focus. And I said that. I said A&M needs to go hire a football coach to heck with everything else. Um, do you think with the transfer portal and the fact that, man, you could lose 20% of your roster every single year? Uh, and you're not going to know personnel from year to year, and you're going to have to kind of go find guys and, and patch holes and stuff with the way it's going. Do you think there's more of an emphasis with administrators on guys that can actually coach the game on Saturdays uh, more so than, than than maybe some of the hype guys we've seen or the guy with the big name or the guy that's got this big, long recruiting list? Uh, because, you know, Bama and A&M definitely hired straight-up football coaches. Yeah, I think uh, it's very, very intentional. Uh, the direction that a lot of hires will go in the SEC and the Big Ten. I think in the coming years, you will see a trend with the most well-resourced programs in America to shift emphasis from recruiting slash talent acquisition capability to X's and O's uh, CEO organizational structure capability. The reason is not because they think talent isn't important anymore. They just think that's more transactional now. If you've got deep pockets, to call it like it is, they think there's not a ton of talent and skill in just going and buying a roster. If you can afford it, you can afford it. And if you can't, you can't. But if we can afford it, it, it's not, you know, it's not calculus. It's ABC one, two, three. We're going to go buy guys. At that point, we get them on campus. The edge we can give ourselves is we can out scheme you on Saturday. Now, you know, as well as I do in the South forever, the saying has been totally inverted. The saying has been, you don't out-scheme guys in the South. It's about having the players. And it always will be about having the players. It's just the way you get the players has changed a little bit, to which someone in the comments will say, are you saying money was never a part? Are you saying transactions were never a part of talent acquisition? No, I'm not saying that. But anyone in their right mind who thinks the way it's being done right now is just the way it's always been done it just displays their utter lack of knowledge of the inner workings of college football. It's never worked like this. And also it's never been legal uh, or, or at least legal to the point where you've got um, you've got the free reign to do whatever you want to do. So if I can go buy rosters, 
and and I know my head coach can do that. I'm not placing emphasis on that so much anymore. I'm going to place emphasis on what you do with them once you get them here. We all have a, a the benefit of spending time and talking with coaches, and I, I I think it's safe to say we all hear a lot of the same things about the way this thing is set up right now with no guardrails is an absolute whoop show. Okay. The coach, it's not, and I hate when people take that and twist it into, oh, you just don't want players to get money. Right. No, that's not it at all. I've never run into a coach that doesn't want players to get compensation. And we all know it's been happening for decades and decades, but now it's obviously out in the open. But when you don't have any structure and when you have players essentially acting like pros but without contracts (laughs) – Excuse me. So you can threaten to leave any time and do. You take the bag and then you just go for another bag a year later. That like that's not the way the NFL is set up. So it's completely upside down. And I I know for a fact there are some very powerful people in the sport that have been trying to get people in Congress to do something, anything. And I know that there's even talk about possibly disbanding from the NCAA altogether. There's a lot of things that are going on right now that aren't getting the same light of day as the other stories. I guess my question, Josh, for you and on, on your take, what is the next shoe to drop? Like, when, when is this thing going to get a modified? How will it get modified? Are we going to have this same conversation three years from now where it's just clearly the wild, wild west? Oh, boy. Um, do we have three hours for me to answer this question? <laughs> well, we our hard out before lunchtime? Yeah. We don't I, have a hard out on JC and Morgan. We, we, we just go where we go. We don't have hard outs. We don't have easy answers. I do think, all right, so this is going to sound gloom and doomy on the back end. So let me lead it with sunshine. I don't think we've ever had an environment where the power players at the college football table are more motivated to get it right and to fix things. Um, because I, I believe that enough people are bent sideways about the current structure or lack thereof that the motivation is there and the right signatures would be able to be gotten on the paper. The question would, of course, be, well, what are the fixes? And I think it's multi-layered, but at the core of it all is very simple. Um, you've got to decide what the status of student athletes are because they're not student athletes. So you got to decide, you go in the employment route, can you collectively bargain without that? At which point we need a fourth box on here so we can get the JC and Morgan lawyer to say, <laughs> yes, no, yes, yes, no. But I think- Jackie Childs on line four. Yeah, there you go. So, so we'll text him. <laughs> but once you get that question answered, in theory, everything else starts falling into place. It's just that answering that question is the hard part. Um, and the reason I say everything else falls into place is because very obviously, if you've got concessions or agreement or walk in lockstep with the players on issues like compensation and therefore issues like uh, NIL and portal, well, you can get their signature on a piece of paper that includes guardrails and includes minimum service time in exchange for us giving you maybe a share of media rights revenue, which I've always thought was the the Pandora's box in a good way to all this. Um, I do think in the very near future, there will come a time where if Mike Morgan or JC Sherbert or Josh Pate sign a scholarship to play linebacker at Purdue or to be a wide receiver at South Carolina, I know just by nature of me being a scholarship athlete at that school, 
there is a minimum amount of money I'm guaranteed from a revenue sharing perspective. Now, what I get on the NL, NIL market above and beyond that, it's up to me. But that's what the spirit of NIL is supposed to be, not, not inducement pay for play as it is right now. How much will a certain amount ever be enough? What legal authority do you have to, to oversee that? Who's the governing body? Those are the unanswerable questions right now, because if you think about this, I had someone put it like this to me the other day from the legal community, and it was a great point. They said, you know, the letters NFL mean something. The letters NBA mean something. NHL, WWE, UFC, they are sports or sports entertainment, but they are also organizations. They also have a front office with an address and a, a governing board and a commissioner. The letters CFB don't mean anything. They don't have any of that. If I were to send a letter to college football, where would I send it? I it would just get returned to sender. And so in the future, whether you have the traditional setup of a commissioner's office or not, I think that once you get those signatures on board and, and once you once you have it get bad enough um, and once you start losing good people more so than we already are because of a lack of structure, then I think change will happen. It's it's the that's the status and nature of life. Once things get bad enough, change will happen. I used to always get told that about food I didn't want to eat. Once you're hungry enough, you'll eat it. That's mm. the end of the story. <laughs> uh, closing minutes here with Josh Pate. Uh, again, the, the podcast is The Late Kick. You can uh, catch that on YouTube and a number of other formats now as it continues to grow in popularity. Uh, Josh, you, you've got the Amazon T-shirt. Uh, well, maybe you don't because that's got an Iowa State logo on. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, Brock Purdy in the house. Yep. Uh, let's put let's get a, an Amazon Karnak prediction hat on for maybe some other time. Tell me where you think – let's come up with a timetable here. Uh, two years from now, 2026, where will Florida State be? Oh, man. I So I don't know if it will be by 26 – but I think by 26, um, the news will have happened that they are headed somewhere other than the ACC. I don't know how. Well, so I'll save you time on the back end. I have <laughs> no idea how it happens. I just don't. I, it's so untenable. It feels so toxic. You've got, you've got them trying to get out, and you've got the conference saying, no, you can't get out. And by the way, if you keep talking, we're going to punish you punitively more for even wanting to get out. It feels like a circus animal. And at some point, man, that's a lion. If it really wants to break free, it's going to break free. What worries me is um, is being right on a prediction I had about two years ago, which was at the time talking about the Pac-12. But I thought the environment's ripe for private equity to get involved in college football. And, and I thought at the time it would be in a sense that someone would come in and in a roundabout way purchase the Pac-12. It turns out no one did that. But I think someone may very well do it to a program like Florida State because it's not pos it's possible, Mike, if you want to go buy the New York Giants. Technically, there's a path to do that. You can't buy a college football team, but really you can. You know, Phil Knight owns Oregon, but he doesn't own Oregon. T. Boone right. Pickens owned Oklahoma State. He didn't own Oklahoma State. Um, someone, someone with more self-serving interests, you know, Josh Pate Entertainment, if I had billion-dollar backing, I, I could go and bankroll Florida State and, in turn, 
I could have ad placement run during their broadcast. I could have ad placement in their stadium. I could get all kinds of return on that investment because I could use them essentially as a marketing and advertising vehicle for myself. No one's done that yet. It doesn't mean someone won't do it. I would prefer that we not have to go that route, uh, but I fear we probably will go that route. And the, re the reason I say I fear it is not because I don't want Florida State to have all the freedom in the world. I just... I think we've seen a million times before, this would just be a million and one of the danger of entities like this getting in bed with private equity to um, bring uh, an end to their means. It, it would be the ultimate, I call, I, I call it uh, for, in the case of SMU with what they did, like the ultimate cojones on the table move. Like we don't yeah. need your stinking money. We, 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 no, we'll take care of everything. You just let us in the league and financially we got this. That's what SMU did. And I wonder if Florida State has enough in the coffers to circumvent everything else and just say, yeah, no, we, we don't need an equal piece of the pie. They're not going to get that. Um, and, and we'll go ahead and pay the, the fines and everything else with grant and rights. Do they have that kind of money the way SMU just pulled that off to get into the ACC? I think that's going to be uh, really intriguing. Well, we'll end on a light note here, Josh. We do a little thing called Fiverr Dimer. Uh, a movie, a rewatchable movie, a remote dropper. If if you've seen it at least five times, you know it's it's a fiver, ten or more dimer. Sometimes it's even a Ben Franklin. I put Jaws, Shawshank Redemption in that list. Twister. You're a movie guy. Yeah. Uh, you got a couple of dimers for us. Uh, well, t Twister is my dimer. Twister. I, I love Twister. Wow. Yes, that is him. That. Yeah, he loves that movie. Man. Wow. I saw that I, uh, in Columbus, Georgia, in a movie theater, because that, that's when it came out when I was rocking WDAK. You know, the yes. Carmike Cinema's there. You know, they had to yes. um, they had to repair the walls, because obviously I saw Twister in theaters in Columbus, too. We may have been at the same showing. Yeah. They, <laughs> had, to, they had to repair the walls. There was a big article in the Ledger Inquirer down there about how the that was one of the first movies that came out with the full like Dolby Digital whatever they did um, to upgrade the audio and it cracked one of the walls in the right. uh, Carmack Cinemas movie theater and I thought Twister and the folks in the production company missed a golden opportunity to use that <laughs> as marketing for the VHS release. Hey man, oh. we, we nearly tore down movie theaters. Or imagine what this will be like in your living room. That's fantastic. And somebody in chat row mentioned that there, of course, there's the whole cast, but the late Bill Paxton, somebody right. mentioned Helen Hunt. I used to make the analogy with Arkansas football 10 years ago in the SEC. They were like the, the Helen Hunt of the Southeastern conference who you're, you're not sure if you find her attractive. And if yeah. so, to what extent that to me was Arkansas football. Like, you're not sure if they're really good or how they fit or to what extent. It was just kind of this big cloud of nebulous matter. Uh, that was for Helen Hunt for me back in like the late 90s, early 2000s. You want to know something else, Chris? Is number one, I do have a tornado on my shirt this morning. Yes, you do. Cyclone, Dave. And, and you've been there, right? You've been to Ames, right? You, you yes, now yes, get to go everywhere. Yep. Yeah, that's the yep. beauty of your job now. Yeah, I uh, love Iowa State. I mean, you've got a tornado for the logo, and you've yes. got Hulk Hogan color scheme. I don't know. How, <laughs> I don't know like, that's the, the Venn diagram for me is a perfect circle on Iowa State. But you know, uh, Helen Hunt was in Twister, but Jamie Gertz was also in Twister yes. in sort of a supporting role. And the I think the single wildest bit of trivia from Twister is not the late Bill Paxton or the late Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's mm. star-studded cast. Really? Jamie Gertz is in that movie. She's now part owner of the Atlanta Hawks. Yes. I see her at Hawks games. Yes. The, she went from the uh the the stunning the stunning girlfriend on again, off again of Andrew McCarthy. 
and Robert Downey Jr. in less than zero, which is like this dark movie. You haven't, if you haven't seen this, Josh, you need to you need to rent it. I'm right. Less it than down. zero is uh, we're a little older than you. In a late '80s movie, and it's the total like talk about uh, trust fund kids in California. But one of them, Robert Downey, which would obviously uh, similar be a, a parallel path to his real life, gets he turns into a drug head. And his life just goes spiraling out of control. And you've got the Bengals soundtrack, Susanna Hoffs going Hazy Shade of Winter. And you've got McCarthy. Uh, Jamie Gertz, that was the introduction to her. She's also the one that wouldn't spare a square in That's Seinfeld. Right. That's right. So let's let's give her her proper due on the cameo on that show. Uh, yeah, you know, the more you... The more you make me think about this, I've probably seen Twister at least 10 times on cable. That Twister. is a diner. Well, the way I sell it is, so I'm I'm actually a storm chaser. So, of course, it appeals to me for different reasons. But Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're a storm chaser. You're yeah, out there chasing storms? Oh, this, Josh is, is, whole, a, this is a whole other show. That's a hobby, right? man. Yeah. How did I not show. know this? <clears throat> Look, it, that's why I, I love college football, because it allows me to be free in the spring to go chase i'll be all over the place but so that so that my part three appearance on this show that's what we can dive into oh definitely but what i tell people who want to nitpick from an atmospheric scientific approach a twister didn't get this right or that right whatever it's a movie man um we're not talking about convective available potential energy here like what we're talking about (laughs) is we want to nail the culture and vibe and as someone who does this stuff every year never has Hollywood captured the true essence and vibe of something more than they captured what it's like to be on the road storm chasing as they did in Twister. Unbelievable. It's like a shot for shot remake, running into your buddies at the gas station, grabbing food when you can. It's very much like a fraternity locker room mentality, except you're, you're chasing tornadoes and you could die at any moment. Maybe the best fake flying cow scene in cinema history coming from that movie. Well, at, at least top five. At, at least, least top, top five. five flying cow scenes. Yeah. And, and you've got me thinking about the cast. Wasn't um, uh, Ferris Bueller's buddy, who was also yes. now in Succession, he's in that movie. Cameron, yeah. Cameron. I don't, know his real, good I don't know the actor's name. I just call him Cameron. Yeah, Cameron, the guy, yeah. The guy who plays uh, Jonas, um, he's got a weird name. He's in a lot of stuff, too. He was in the Saw movie. Okay. Uh, the guy that ends up getting killed at the end, spoiler alert. But yeah, yeah. there's a lot. There are a lot of big time names on the cast. Yeah. Man, good call. I I we've never even brought that movie up. And I, I make the analogy, now you're probably a bigger fan of it being the storm chaser that you are. But like when I say this about Roadhouse, I acknowledge Roadhouse is a two star movie, but I'll watch it every time it's right. on. You right. can love a two-star movie. You can acknowledge yeah. it's not a great written film. There's not great acting. The plot is predictable and still love the movie for That's what it is. my car. That's essentially what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, I can't think of a better note to end it on. Mm-hmm. Josh, uh, again, and I know that this uh, certainly comes from JC because you guys go way back. Couldn't be happier for your success. Uh, it's the kind of story that we root for. Uh, keep up the outstanding work. We welcome you again to the prestigious multi-guest uh, performance here on J.C. and Morgan and hope to have you back soon. I appreciate it as always, guys. Thank you, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Josh Pate, the uh, one and only of the Late Kick podcast. So it was Carrie Yules from The Princess Bride uh, was Jonas. In, um, oh, wow. Yeah, he's been That's a lot next of, level. He's been some different stuff. Yeah, Phil, uh, Mad Dog came in, in the, on the private chat here and filled us in on that. 
No, nothing gets by Mad Dog. If it gets uh, by everybody else, uh, Mad Dog is gonna he's gonna catch those uh, rather arcane references. Yeah, that's great uh, stuff. Twister. We we have not done Twister. When he said, t- I, it didn't surprise me because I knew he was a storm chaser, but that that just was kind of like a miniature five and dimer, but was so complete that it's like. It's like we actually did five and dime, like the whole thing today. I know uh, we we which which we won't have time to do much more on the other side, but I do want to get to. I have an interesting thing I'm going to toss your way, JC, uh, in in reference to Alabama and Michigan replacing their national championship legendary coaches. Uh, how that's worked out for programs in the past. The results might surprise you. We'll take a final timeout. We'll be back with more JC and Morgan on the other side. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. Listen up. This is for construction professionals, contractors, facility managers, or do-it-yourself homeowners. Cypro Rentals is ready to equip your upcoming project. We rent construction equipment for any size job. Boom and scissor lifts, telehandlers, skid steers, excavators, air compressors, generators, even small tools and equipment. SitePro has you covered. If you are ready for better equipment rental, call SitePro and rent from the local, friendly, easy-to-do business with equipment professionals. Call 972-RENT-NOW. That's 972-736-8669 to rent the newest equipment in the Atlanta market. Call 972-RENT-NOW or visit SitePro. ProRentals.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured. They provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. 
1998, or you can go to EliteRoofingGA.com. Schedule a no-hassle, free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. It is JC and Morgan for the final segment. Our thanks again to Josh Pate giving us some great stuff and great time here on the program. Again, the, the beauty the beauty of the offseason for us is that we have uh, more time to get guests on, and we've had a, 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 an amazing track record of getting some really good people uh, to join the show, many of whom JC and I know personally, some of whom, quite frankly, we don't. We just took a shot at, and uh, and they were kind enough to give us some some great minutes. Uh, JC, of course, I know you go back a long ways with uh, Josh. And, um, again, you, uh, in addition to your many talents, uh, you have an ability to see talent. And uh, and you have been high on, on Josh's work for a long time. And, obviously, uh, oh, yeah. his perseverance has paid off. And, and you certainly uh, saw that early on. Absolutely. And uh, I, I kind of just like hearing you guys have a conversation because, you know, I, I've been on with both of you over through through the years, you know. Right. Uh, and I just think it's because you guys kind of have you're like minded in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. so I just I'm just entertained. But when you guys have a conversation, it, it's, it's funny. I had one I had one. I just sat here and shut up and listened because I was so it's just like watching a, a TV show. I like it's probably, a, it's probably <laughs> a, di- a dimer. It's a dimer for me. A diver for you. Well, you 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 said this years ago, and you're like, no, Mike. He he speaks your language. Like you're gonna you're gonna like this guy. This was before Josh, you know, got the the expanded platform. And I was like, okay. I mean, I I, I didn't know him, but I knew Columbus. And again, we both we both had that in common. And I knew he loved college football and and movies, which we talk a lot of on this show. So uh, you were spot on on that. And uh, again, we'll we'll get Josh back on again soon. I I I only want people to come on by the way that actually enjoy coming on. It's not a, I I don't want a big name that feels like they're doing us a personal favor to give us the time. Like if that's your yeah. if that's your thing, don't don't bother. We, we've we'll we'll very, get somebody very, else. We've had very few of those. Though. I can't very even few. Think of no, one, maybe one or two. I, but I, I think we've we've gotten. We're batting near a thousand. We we really are. Like, uh, even a guy like uh, Ryan Leaf, who doesn't know us from Adam, you know, he was really cool. You know, well, the only reason, I, yeah, no, he was fantastic. Now, I, I, I got Ryan because I did a game with him. That's in right, Oklahoma. okay, okay my bad. And so that that was kind of the introduction for me to Ryan. But um, yeah, I mean, you go back to our quarterback derby. Uh, I know Greg McElroy, but we haven't done a game together. I, I know Tim Couch, but I don't know him that well. Uh, Shane, I've known for a while, Shane Matthews, who else did we get on that thing? I mean, it was like one great former quarterback Lugues. after another. I mean, I know Lugues and Mac. I, I covered Mac. Yeah, yeah. And I used to work with Luganville, uh, who's me too. Yep. The yeah. man, he's the man, by the way, there's awesome. an H and R block commercial on Instagram now with a uh-huh. cartoon character. that's like the H and R block guy. That looks yeah. just like like an avatar of Tom Luganville. I swear to God, <laughs> and and you, you haven't seen it yet, but you will, and you're gonna laugh. 
a problem. That's awesome. And it, yeah, and, we'll get. And it looks just like him. It's like you know, it looks just the, like him. Know, maybe a little more Luke's, built than Lugerville. This thing's kind of got like Popeye arms, but same haircut, glasses. Same does he have the cowboy shape. boots that Lugs likes to wear on TV? I didn't look at the shoes. I should have. My yeah. my introdu- introduction to Lugs was us doing a Mac game twelve years ago for ESPN, like at Kent State. It came down to a uh, a game winning field goal. That was our when you spend when you spend two and a half days in the Rust Belt in November, you get to know someone well. Uh, so that that's always good. Yeah, people on chat row commenting the Leaf interview with Stellar. Quantrell, any chance of getting Billis back on? We can get Jay back on. I mean, Jay Jay gave us – he emptied his bag of thoughts on NIL and everything else, and you kind of know where he stands. I mean, he's been pushing for all this for a long time. He's been a big advocate for players' rights, and I don't think he's one that believes there should be any. Um, he, he's kind of in the line of um, another guest that we've had on that I've uh, worked with, Andy Staples. Those guys believe, hey, look, the market takes care of itself. There's nothing wrong with everything that's going on. There's not a problem. I respectfully disagree with both of them. You can have your cake, but you don't have to eat it too. Like You can go ahead and give the players money. Again, like I said before, I don't know anybody who's against that. But you also need some structure. You don't you don't want the utter chaos that we have now and just poaching players left and right, not honoring any type of commitment to the program you go to. Well, coaches – Stop comparing them to coaches. It's a different setup, a different situation. And coaches do have multi-year contracts, and there has to be bots and everything else. So I, I, I don't want to go down that path uh, just now. But, uh, but yeah, both of those guys uh, are kind of cut from the same cloth and on how they feel about it. And, of course, you got Josh's thoughts on that as well. Before we wrap things up, um, uh, one thing I want to run by you, JC, before we get out of here, I do want to remind everybody, one of our great sponsors, Site Pro, Site Pro Rentals. Uh, when renting equipment, important to have a local, easy-to-do business with friends in the industry who carry the only, only the newest equipment and create efficiency for you and your project job site. The team at Site Pro Rentals can do just that. When reliability, service, and transparent pricing matter, you need to use Site Pro Rentals. Give them a call today, 972 rent now 972-736-8669. We've got some really good uh, sponsors in that space. Jeremy Johnson of Elite Roofing and Restoration. You see the phone number for him scrolling if you're watching uh, YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and all that jazz. Um, very fortunate to have some guys that can help out anybody that needs work on their home or office, etc. Okay, so Saban gone. Harbaugh officially gone since the last time you and I were on. And not surprisingly, I mean, this is what we all predicted. Two things. Harbaugh, Chargers, Sharon Wright gets the job. Okay. So Sharon Wright, and I did a little deep dive on him, and I won't go too deep, but I mean, I had to, honestly, I didn't know much about him. Uh, he, he played Juco, and then he played two years as an offensive lineman for Stoops at Oklahoma. He was an assistant at Central Michigan, and then went on to, uh, obviously, Michigan, uh, predominantly as a tight ends coach and then, you know, as associate uh, head coach. And obviously he was the interim coach for Michigan during the time that Jim Harbaugh was uh, suspended, which it seemed like every other week last year. So Sharon Moore gets the job there. And, of course, we had talked about Kalen DeBoer getting the job at Alabama. So this is just a, a few. I was looking it up, uh, J.C., legends. And I'll put Harbaugh in the legend category because what he did for Michigan football is legendary. 
He didn't stay as long as Saban, and no one's ever going to do what Saban. That's the GOAT. There's legends, and then there's the GOAT. Two different categories. Um, here's a list of, of legends that were replaced and how it went. And you can give a letter grade with this if you want to. Jim Tressel replaced John Cooper. Well, that went pretty well, right? I mean, he won a national championship before the whole tattoo gate and that derailed. That, that would now be laughed at as a violation. Like, none of that would be a problem. None of that would be a problem at all. Uh, Spurrier replaced Lou Holt at South Carolina. I'd say that went pretty well, right? Tom Osborne replaced Bob Devaney at Nebraska. Well, that went really well. Now, what, what after that, it was what, Solich? Nah, not so well. But then again, since Solich, it's gone much, much worse. So Solich is probably saying, hey, I wasn't so bad, was I? Uh, who replaced Huh? Now he won a bunch of games at Ohio U. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Success in the back. Uh, Mike Bellotti replaced by Chip Kelly. Remember, Bellotti was doing some good things at Oregon. It's like, oh, shoot, we just lost Bellotti. And then Chip Kelly took it to another level. Yeah, Bellotti was like the there, – there were three three builders at Oregon. And it took a lot, took 20-something years. Uh, Rich Brooks was there from 77 to 94, got to the Rose Bowl in 94, hung it up. Bilotti took was on his staff, took over for him, and then Bilotti hired Chip Kelly from the University of New Hampshire <laughs> to come be his OC, and then they promoted Chip Kelly. And Chip really is the one that got them to the, the promised land. Barry Alvarez replaced by Brett Bielema at Wisconsin. Remember, Brett Bielema did good things. At Wisconsin. That's why Arkansas gave him a huge bag of money to poach him away and get him to Fayetteville. That went well. And even Les Miles replacing Nick Saban at LSU. Say what you want about Les. Uh, he had people fooled there for a while. He's eating grass. He's winning some championships. He won a national championship. Some people say anybody can win one at LSU. That may be true, but for a while there, Les had it going on. He had he had success. He's beaten Alabama on a fairly good basis, um, playing for SEC titles, playing for national titles. Uh, and I'll throw another one out there: Jimbo Fisher. I mean, before it went sideways in Tallahassee, he replaced the legend in Bobby Bowden, and overall, it went fairly well before it fizzled out. And then, of course, we know what happened: it goes to A and M, and it really fizzled out. Then you have guys like Bob Davey, Will Muschamp. Larry Coker did win a national title at Miami, but it didn't exactly work great. Uh, and then there's a whole list of ones that did not go well at all. Uh, Ron Zook replacing Spurrier at Florida. Charlie um, Strong replacing Mac Brown at Texas. Charlie Strong. Stutter. Ray um, Goff at Georgia. Ooh. Yeah, Ray Goff and Jim Donnan. Jim Donnan was better than Ray Goff, but Goff was not good. Everybody was better um, than Ray Goff. And then, uh, man, oh, man. I mean, you can keep going on and on and on with uh, with things that have not worked out. I mean, you know, you, you, even uh, – but I'll give you another one that you missed. Uh, Urban Meyer replaced Jim Trestle. And that worked right. out pretty well. That worked out, uh, yes. You know, Trestle, Trestle's probably a – consider Trestle would probably still be coaching. Had all that stuff not happened. Had all he that was, stuff not happened. Yeah, People he, he loved him. Rolling. The sweater and – yeah. Gary Moeller replaced Bo Schimbeckler and was kind of eh, mm. but then Lloyd Carr was also on that staff and eventually replaced Gary Moeller. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned Holt, Notre Dame hadn't gotten it right really since then. 
Um, Brian Kelly was a nice era. Yeah, but Bob uh, Davy was. I'm convinced Bob Davy was. Uh, Tyrone Willingham was a disaster after his oh, first Willingham. year. And uh, Charlie Weiss. I mean, see, see, the, all these guys have good first first years. Like Willingham had a good first year. Weiss had a great first year in 05. Mm. And then they just tank out. Um, yeah. Mar- Marcus Freeman just gets progressively worse, I think. But uh, anyway, uh, so I'm trying to think. And, uh, who replaced Don McPherson at uh, Syracuse? Paul I, Pasqualoni did. Yeah, I think. yeah. And he did all right. right. He lasted a long time. You know, Randy Edsel leaves UConn the first time, and then and it went straight. I think Pasqualoni replaced him. <laughs> right. That didn't work out. Wayne yeah, Mar- Kiffin replaced Carroll at Southern Cal. Not not very successful. Not was- very successful. I mean, yeah. you know, for, so Ralph Friedgen hangs it up at Maryland. He had a nice winning period. Oh yeah. I don't I don't even remember it. So James Franklin was his coach in waiting, but James went and took the Vandy job. And so they I don't remember even who they and it was whoever they had before they had DJ Durkin. Did though they hired Randy Etzel. That's right. That's and right. so that didn't work out. So, um, you know, uh, George Welsh leaves Virginia, and Al Grow has some good years, but then it does not sustain. Justin Valente was a disaster at Virginia Tech, and if you'd have yeah. told me that would happen, I said you're crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, so there's there, there's it, it's it's back and forth, and it's um, back and forth. Wanted to give you examples of both. And, yeah, and we're yeah, and it's because a lot of people are like, you never want to follow the guy. Well, it's worked right. out for some people. I mean, it's, it's worked out. You well, know? it depends how the guy leaves the program too, right? Like, are you do you leave the program in, a, in an abject mess, or do you leave it in fine shape? Like, taking over for Nick Saban at Alabama right now, that's a that's a pretty sweet gig. But taking yeah. over for Florida State when when Bobby Bowden's clearly just it was going down the you know what and obviously Penn State with Joe Paw with the added level of drama there that was not a nobody was going to be uber successful it was it was set up to fail and Bill O'Brien did the best he could uh, in Happy Valley but do, do you, when you follow a legend is he giving you the house in mint condition? Or is he giving you a, a house of disrepair that needs all kinds of redos and, you know, do you need to plow it down and, and uh, completely start over and, from the studs? And sometimes it's the coach, I mean, that you hire. I mean, Kansas State goes and hires Ron Prince. They oh, awful gosh. Two years, three years. Oh, Ron Prince. All right, so, so Bill says so Snyder has to come back because his right. family, family's name's on the state. And he coaches, what, eight more years there? Yes. Well, the second time they hire Chris Kleiman, who's who's similar in resume to a Kalen DeBoer, you know, is what it's uh, South Dakota State, North Dakota State, wherever. And look, Kansas State's still Kansas State. They're still the same. They have not missed a beat under Chris Kleiman. So sometimes it depends on who you get, too, and if the guy knows what he's doing and you're not kind of reaching. I mean, you know, you, you think about, you know, getting uh, Ron Zook to replace Steve Spurrier at Florida or Ray Perkins to get – Replaced Bear Bryant in Alabama. Those were reaches, man. I mean, those are guys that ah, we like Ron or we like Ray. Let's just give him the job, you know. Terry Bowden at Auburn replacing Pat Dye. Now it started off well. How about how about twenty one and one on probation in your first twenty two games? If that hadn't been for that probation, man, Auburn's basically gotten screwed out of two potential national championships. Uh, in my lifetime, but um, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you kind of look around and and see uh, the guys that I mean, like Lincoln Riley replaced Bob Stoops. Everybody thinks it's oh, it's great, and they did keep going to the playoffs. But at the end of the day, was that really? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of one of those en- enigmatic things. So we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, it, it is. The point I think you're trying to make is everybody says, oh, it'll never work out. But a lot of there's a lot of examples out there where it did. Sometimes I mean, ba- it does. I'll give you a basketball one, the greatest, the greatest one of all time. Mm-hmm. Dean Smith replaced Frank McGuire at North Carolina. Yeah. Young Dean Smith. That worked out fine. That for worked them. out and, pretty well. Hey, Bill Self replaced Roy Williams at Kansas. That's worked out pretty well. Very well. Yeah. So you never know. You never know. And uh uh, Jay Wright at Villanova. Yeah, Jay Wright, boy, he's uh he re- he replaced Massimino. No, Steve Lapis was the coach. There That's between yeah. There's a gap there. Yes, I guess there was that a gap count. between Raleigh and uh, and Lapis and, wasn't yeah. terrible. I mean, La- Lapis he had NCAA tournaments, but he wasn't Jay Wright good. Yeah, but Georgetown hired Craig Eshrick and immediately dipped. And yeah. uh, John Thompson Jr. got him back, and then they dipped again. So. Yep. And they've um, never really been totally bad, but that's like most Big East schools. And, and then there's weird football ones like money Ge- pushed them Georgia, out. Georgia Tech replaces Bobby Crimmins with Paul Hewitt, who goes to the national yeah. championship game one year and then was a disaster yeah. otherwise. Weird. Just there's yep. some weird basketball's yeah. weird too, but I, I know. But you're you're right; they do work out sometimes, Mike. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. I, I'd be very curious to see how Michigan and Alabama work out. I mean, to go back to our final. Uh, message what's going to be some of the juiciest stories of 2024 oh i think what's going on in ann arbor columbus tuscaloosa then you got coaches on a scintillatingly uh hot seat in uh, the sec uh one resides in gainesville um yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it, there, there's so many great storylines that we get a chance to talk about this entire off season, and we look forward to doing that. We look forward to having you folks back out there uh, with us next week. As always, you can check out the website, jcandmorgan.com. Our thanks again to Josh Pate. He will join us again, uh, I'm sure, in this off season, And uh, we will have a number of different guests that will join us as well here on the program. <laughs> That's part of the Luke Chief Sports Network. Logan Bill just pops in the chat box. What are you clowns up to? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mike, you, or, or Tommy, you got a doppelganger in this H&R Block commercial, man. <laughs> Go check it out. Logan Bill heard the bat signal. He heard you talking about his doppelganger. He said, I got to go ahead and check he's out the a, show. He's a, he's a Batman. Yeah, he's a, he, I know he's a Batman Superman you know, guy. It's just, yeah. it's just an honor for Tom Logan Bill to check in in our closing I'm, minutes of the program. beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, that's, that's Made great. my day. Made my day. Yeah, that's all. Lugs, we'll get you on soon. Another prestigious member. You got Brando, you now you got Josh Pate and Lugan Bill of the two or more appearances on JC and Morgan. We got to wrap things up. I know that uh, there's some other fine programs on Chief, including ITG, uh, and we don't want to have Phil, our Mad Dog producer, sweat any more than he already is, which he's probably sweating bullets as we speak. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon.